This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, just a little bit ago, the Nevada governor's race was called. Uh, this was one that a lot of people were sitting on the edge of their seats to see where it would go. And the GOP candidate, Joe Lombardo, the sheriff there, has beaten the Democrat. And in just a little bit ago, Fox and a number of other networks have called it for Joe Lombardo as now the next governor of Nevada. This comes as at any minute we are hoping to get some more results on some of the outstanding votes that are still in Nevada. Of course, the Senate race is a big one there and could potentially play, obviously, a big role in the potential balance of power in Washington. The latest numbers, actually, from Nevada, with about 80% in, show that it is truly neck and neck with Catherine Cortez Masto with 48.4%, Adam Laxalt, 48.5%. That is stunning. And only about 700 votes right now separating them, but still a number of outstanding votes still yet to be counted. What's going on in Sin City? My goodness, Nevada is taken forever to count. And as soon as we get an update from there, we will bring that to you live. Also, we are waiting for new numbers coming in from Arizona, because as we speak, there are still, they believe, potentially hundreds of thousands of votes that still have not been counted in Arizona. What the heck is wrong with Arizona? You look at places like Florida, where there are 7.5 million Votes that are counted, it only took a few hours. Look how fast Florida got it done. And yet, for some reason, Arizona keeps having problems. We are waiting because at any moment, they're expecting to be releasing a whole bunch of numbers. And as soon as we get that, we will bring that to you because that race looks like it's separating right now a little bit more for Mark Kelly, the former astronaut and Democrat who is against Blake Masters there, that is for Senate, We still don't know the latest. We're waiting on Carrie Lake and, of course, Katie Hobbs. That race is still a lot closer. That one's neck and neck. But the number's coming in, and as soon as we get them for you, we will bring them to you live. Again, document dumps coming in and are expected to come in. By the way, vote dumps through the weekend, everybody. They're saying they may not know the numbers until maybe late Saturday or Sunday. They're even talking maybe Monday or Tuesday. Boy, what is going on with Arizona and Nevada? And as soon as we get all the context of these numbers, we will bring them to you again. It looks like the position is separating a little bit for both 
Katie Hobbs and also for Mark Kelly, because a lot of the numbers that have come in of late in Arizona in particular are coming in from some of the main Maricopa counties, but they're still waiting out right now for some of the day of votes. Those day of votes are usually very favorable to Republicans. So with those numbers, when those come in, they are expected to change the dynamics and tighten the race yet again for Kerry Lake and also could potentially bring Blake Masters a bit closer as well. And again, the new big news uh, that the Nevada governor's race has been called by a number of the networks, including Fox News, Joe Lombardo, the Republican, winning, and he will be the next governor of Nevada. Boy, what a wild night. And here it is on a Friday night, and we're still waiting for the numbers. Of course, the big one is going to be Georgia because they got the runoff there. December 6th. What are your thoughts, everybody? What the heck is going on with Arizona and Nevada that it is taking so long to be able to count these votes? What is taking so, so long? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. What the heck is taking so long with these two states And it doesn't breed confidence in the system. That's for sure. Because as you're sitting there and you're looking and you go, wait a minute, why can't they figure this out? Why is this not coming together? Why can't they get this organized? What the heck is taking so, so long? And by the way, news just breaking just now. Uh, we are just seeing that both networks, both NBC and CNN in the last few seconds have just projected that Mark Kelly is the winner in Arizona. Um, that is a big, big one. If indeed that is the case, NBC and also CNN and other networks are now just in the last second with those numbers that literally just came in as you're here live on the Rita Cosby Show, getting results in, showing that now Mark Kelly, the Democrat astronaut, is projected to win. That makes the Senate now 49 and 49. Wow. Boy, this makes things extremely tight. And what that means, if indeed that's the case, of course, all eyes are going to be now on Nevada. Can Adam Laxalt pull that out in Nevada? And then it goes to Georgia, guys, because then it goes all back to Georgia like it did in the 2020. Now all eyes will go to Georgia on December 6th. Wow, this is a big, big development. Again, guys, as we're just learning in the last few minutes, CNN and NBC and other networks are now projecting that Arizona Senator Mark Kelly will keep his seat and that he has won. This is the Democrat who now, according to a number of networks, are projecting him the winner uh, with the margin saying that now with these new numbers that there is no way for Blake Masters to catch up. Of course, we don't know what's happening with the governor's race there. That is still way too close to call. Only 84 percent or so of the vote in. Uh, but networks are indeed calling it for now Mark Kelly of Arizona beating the Republican. And that makes the Senate 49 to 49. What is your reaction? Wow. Big breaking news. Literally, as we are here starting the Rita Cosby show on this Friday night, 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. What are your thoughts? 
because now the Senate is 49-49. Of course, they got to have at least 50 on the Democratic side because they've got Kamala Harris, remember, still there, of course, for the next two years. On the Republican side, they got to have 51 because they don't have Kamala Harris. So they got to now win Nevada and they have to win Georgia. And that means everything is going to be poured in, not just to Nevada, but also to Georgia for December 6th. And it is neck and neck. If you look at some of the new numbers, uh, while we're speaking right now, breaking in Nevada, um, some new numbers coming in showing that Adam Laxalt is still neck and neck, 93%. This new vote literally just came in in the last two minutes. Adam Laxalt is ahead uh, just by a few percentage points. It's 48.6 to 48.4. Just a few hundred votes are separating, but he is still neck and neck in Nevada. Wow. Big news tonight. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phil on line five. Phil, uh, you're literally hearing the news as I'm getting the news here because this is all breaking on a Friday night. What are your thoughts now? The Senate, 49 to 49. Still waiting, Phil, of course, as you heard from Nevada. And then, of course, all eyes on Georgia. What are your thoughts? Well, First of all, today is Veterans Day, and I want to salute the veterans who served also with me in the service. Absolutely. And and by the way, Phil, thank you. I know you are a veteran, a Vietnam veteran, and we are unbelievably grateful for your service. And, uh, and you know how much we love the veterans. And by the way, later on here on the show, Phil, uh, you're going to hear a real treat. We have an amazing guy, Frank Romeo, who has a brand-new film out, talking about how he dealt with post-traumatic stress, his journey, he is going to be in our support to our hero segment uh, a little about about an hour or so from now. So everybody, you do not want to miss this amazing man who's going to be joining us, a Vietnam veteran profiled in a brand new film, trying to help veterans and others across America. And it's going to be a very special Veterans Day salute to our heroes tonight. So thank you, Phil, too, very much as well. Uh, okay. You still with me? Yep, sure am. Go ahead, Phil. Okay, first of all, we got the House. Thank God we got the House. Well, not not yet, but it looks like you're going to have the House. I, we're going to get it. I, I got a very strong feeling. I do, too. I do, too. Make it. Yeah, and you got you to realize one thing, that a lot, of, a lot of people held back because of all this red wave, red wave, red wave. Oh, yes, it's a done deal. People didn't go out and vote. But it, it's not a red wave. It's more like a red High tide. The Democrats are screaming, oh, the Republicans got a low tide. No, we got a high tide, but we don't have no tsunami. That's for sure. The trick is uh, the Senate is a key, too. And and I don't understand. You explain to me. You know, you're a smart woman. You know it all. Why do they take so long to count the votes? Because there was a, a political research organization was on the radio earlier today. We, the United States, and, and on voting, on local and presidential voting, we rank 34th, which is very, very low. On the, we got countries in Africa that do it faster than we do and more accurately. It's disgusting, Phil. You know, you, you hit it on the head. And the fact that this was so, like, back and forth and, and suddenly, like, more votes happened to come from this area and more absentee ballots showed up and then another 10,000. The fact that we haven't been able to get a straight number from, you know, from the board of, 
you know, elections there in Arizona and also from the Board of Elections, by the way, in Nevada. I mean, none of those guys breed any sense of confidence to, you know, to the average American. And that's right. And they knew that those races were going to be tight. What a coincidence. You know, I'm I'm not a conspiracy theorist and I'm a realist, but I do think Uh it breeds very much an insecurity about the integrity of the voting process when you have these two key states that were clearly going to be questionable. Suddenly, you know, things votes showed up. Uh, Yeah, right. It doesn't give you confidence in the voting process, and it makes you question a lot of stuff here. And and to your point, Phil, um, it's really disturbing, and and especially when they knew. I mean, they would love nothing better, first off, of course, to uh, beat Blake Masters, which it looks like they have, as we're just announcing here in the last few minutes, that Mark Kelly, the astronaut, is going to keep his seat there in Arizona. Uh, but they would also love to be able to beat Carrie Lake because she has been so vocal and is a Trump supporter and is a take no prisoners. And I, she's really been a fireball. I like Carrie Lake. What are your thoughts about the Carrie Lake now uh, race now, Phil? Well, I, I think that race, as well as two others, very prominent ones, all three of them, will come through. I got a very positive feeling deep in my heart. I got a very strong feeling that just overwhelms me at times that I just want to stand up and cheer because I think we've got, I really do believe that. I trust in the integrity of, of, of the people of this country, but not so much in, in the system of voting because this is 2020 all over again, you know? Well, and what a surprise. It's back in Arizona. And you, I mean, how unbelievable is it to fill that? Like some places ran out of paper. Some didn't have the tabulators working. I mean, are we like 1812 or 1840? Or are we like, I mean, I thought we were 2022. I mean, it, it is, it's, all, it's shocking, really disturbing. It's all on, it's all on purpose. <laughs> well, and it definitely doesn't breed confidence in the process. That is 1000 percent uh for sure thank you very much phil and again happy veterans day my friend thank you so much we're going to continue with your calls after the break big news tonight a number of networks projecting that democrat mark kelly is going to keep his senate seat in arizona beating blake masters and that makes the senate right now 49 49 we'll take your calls after the break 1-800-848-9222 it's the Rita Cosby Show. Wow, I haven't heard this song in a long time by the band M. As we were just talking, I think a one-hit wonder, but very memorable pop music. Well, it looks like the results are popping in Arizona, because if you're just joining us, the Democrat Mark Kelly has now been named as the projected winner by a number of networks with lots of votes just coming in in the last, like, five, ten minutes here. And that makes the Senate count right now, 49 to 49 and uh, remember, this is what President Biden said. He was gloating when he saw there wasn't a red wave or a red tsunami. And I'm sure he's going to be very happy to hear this news tonight. Uh, this is what he said earlier in the week. 
Well, we had an election yesterday. And uh, it was a good day, I think, for democracy. And I think it was a good day for America. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a little horse. Our democracy has been tested in recent years, but uh, with their votes, uh, the American people have spoken and proven once again that democracy is who we are. So what is your reaction to right now? It's a lot tougher for the Republicans to get the Senate. They can still get the Senate. It's not out of the question, but they have to now for sure get Nevada and they have to get Georgia because they don't have the tie-breaking vote of Kamala Harris like the Democrats have. And right now it's 49-49. Remember, 50 on the Democratic side. It's got to be 51 on the GOP side. So that means they have to win the two open races for Senate right now. Wow. It is getting really wild on this one. And again, it all goes back to Georgia. Georgia, sweet Georgia on our minds. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to John, line one. Uh, John, what's your reaction? Uh, news just breaking that now it is 49-49 and Nevada, uh, which is, of course is a really big race, that has not been called yet. There's still a lot of outstanding votes there, but it's now uh, getting a, a narrower path for the GOP to uh, get control of the Senate. It reminds me of Al Franken. If you remember Al Franken, I think they had two recounts, and then they found a bunch of ballots in a parked car somewhere, and they put them over the top. And that's how he got into the Senate. And the longer this goes on, the more I lose confidence in the whole thing. Because every time it's come, it comes down to where a Democrat could take it, it takes longer and longer and longer, and that's what erodes. I mean, this is ridiculous. We're like the number one country in the world, and we can't get the voting down. We're 30th. Yeah, it is amazing. It, it is. Yeah. And, and you know what, John, too? Um, just like you said, it's always in these contested areas. It's like, uh, surprise, surprise. And how are you supposed to have confidence when even the elections officials can't keep track of how many votes are coming? And they said, oh, yes, some of these, you know, came in from this. Some were absentee. Oh, we just found another batch of 10,000. What a surprise. I mean, it doesn't give me a lot of confidence. Does it give you confidence, John? No, I believe we could have a system that works. but Democrats don't want it because then they can't cheat. If they can't cheat, they don't want the system. And what I told you, call screener, was that we did have a red wave. For people 30 and over, we had more people vote Republican in this midterm than any other midterm on record. It was people 30 and under that broke hard left. Yep. I probably yep. got a guy in the Senate that has tattoos and a hoodie on. Yeah. By the way, did you hear the, the new thing about a tattoo boy and hoodie boy? I know who you're talking about, Fetterman. I couldn't believe this. Yesterday, John, they actually had MSNBC was saying he's presidential material. I mean, I, I thought I was like, what kind of drugs is that person on? You got to be kidding I me. I don't even trust Fox anymore. I don't even trust Fox anymore. Well, I, I hope you trust us, John. They all jumped on Trump. Are you telling me those 18 to 30 year olds would have, would have voted for Mitch McConnell's candidates instead? So this whole thing about jumping on Trump and making him, you know, the whole oligarch of the whole thing is ridiculous. There would be no DeSantis without Trump. By the way, I 1,000% agree. It's a mixed bag for Trump. And these people who are, like, suddenly throwing him under the bus, you look at the results. 
you wouldn't probably have a J.D. Vance if it wasn't for Trump. J.D. Vance would never have advanced to the primary Absolutely. had you know Trump not endorsed him. You could make the case maybe Oz might not have if he didn't get the Trump endorsement. I mean, there's a lot of these candidates that deserve to at least where they got as a result of Trump. I mean, there's so many of these. And DeSantis, as you pointed out, uh, Trump, he was down, 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 and Trump suddenly backed him. And we're talking about in the last go-round, and it propelled this guy who was narrowly, I mean, he was behind, and then he narrowly squeaked it out. Uh, but it, he propelled DeSantis last go-round. Obviously, DeSantis did well on his own this time. But, yes, Trump played an enormous, enormous role in all of that. John, thanks so much. When we come back, everybody, we're going to continue your calls because this news is breaking here fast and furiously on a Friday night that now, guess what? Surprise, surprise, after they found a whole bunch of ballots somewhere that they needed to count, now Mark Kelly has won the Senate seat in Arizona. I want to get your reaction and your reaction to these newly discovered ballots that put them over the top. It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment where we honor our great law enforcement and, of course, their families. By the way, in the next hour, we do our special support our heroes, which I love doing every day and especially on this Veterans Day. We want to say thank you to all of the great veterans out there and, of course, their families. And we have a special treat. We're going to be joined by an amazing veteran, Frank Romeo, in the next hour, talking about his incredible journey overcoming PTSD and a brand new film about his life. You don't want to miss it. Frank is going to be joining us in about an hour from now in a special Veterans Day tribute. But tonight in our Back the Blue, a woman named Nieves Matos from South Florida is thanking the members of the Miami-Dade police and first responders who pulled her to safety after a crash into dangerous waters. Nieves, who was critically injured in a crash back in May, sadly lost his son as he did not survive. Now, months later, she was able to meet with the men and women who came to their rescue, and it was a memorable moment, not only for her, but for the first responders themselves. 80-year-old Mato said she will never forget the faces of the brave first responders who saved her life. Goes back to May 27th when she and her son were in a minivan headed down the Florida Turnpike, and when they were trying to get off an exit ramp, he lost control of the vehicle. Now the vehicle overturned. It went into a heavily infested alligator retention pond. Divers, protected by police snipers, managed to be able to pull out the mother and son to safety. They were taken to a Florida hospital where, sadly, her son died later. Months now later, Mato said she was so happy to be able to share a warm and memorable embrace with those dear to her, as this is a time in which she will forever be grateful to those officers at the Miami-Dade Police and others who saved her life. What a great, great story. And can you imagine getting a call that the uh, vehicle's overturned and an alligator retention pond? What a wild story and what incredible work our men and women in blue do every single day. Well, it is a busy Friday night here because we've been talking about the fact that the race for Senate 
in Arizona has just been called. We've been getting these like vote dumps, which definitely opened the door because you go, wait a minute, where are all these votes coming from? Suddenly they had, you know, they thought they had 600,000, then they had 400,000, then they had 700,000, then they discovered another 10,000 that came with absentee ballots. Others, they said maybe day of air, uh, you know, the ones actually bringing them into the um, voting booth on the day. Some of them were cured ones that were questionable ballots that have now since been agreed to, if you will. There's so many of these questions. And I feel like we're like a third world country. What is going on with Arizona? And we're still waiting for Nevada. But with all these crazy things that have happened in the last few days, when the rest of the country basically called their races pretty much, most of them at least, Arizona and Nevada can't get it together again. And Arizona just basically put the numbers in that pushed Mark Kelly, the Democrat, to now become the senator to continue his job. He's the in- incumbent. He's the Democrat. And that makes now the Senate 49-49. Wow. So that means the Republicans got to win Nevada. And they got to win Georgia to have control of the U.S. Senate. We're still waiting on the House. Latest numbers on the House, guys, by the way, because numbers still coming in on that. Uh, Democrats have 202 seats right now secured. Republicans have 211 and they need 218 to gain control of the House. Obviously, they're a lot closer, but we will keep you posted on that to see. They got to get the House at least to have some control and to be able to block uh, many of these policies of the Biden administration to also have investigations and to be able to say, hey, let's get our version out about January 6th. Let's find out what Fauci was doing with X. Uh, let's look into Mayorkas and the border. We're going to talk about that later on in the hour because there's a lot of questions there. But if they are not controlling either house, uh, boy, there will be no checks and balances. And we've seen what the last two years look like. You want more of the same? One eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Meantime, other big news coming in just in the little bit. Everybody here on the Rita Cosby Show. Former President Donald Trump has now officially filed suit against the House Committee investigating the January six. Remember, this is that partisan committee with Liz Cheney, who's no longer going to be in Congress. She leaves, you know, she's booted. Remember, she got ousted in the primary there. And Adam Kinzinger, the uh, two pseudo Republicans, I call them because they're more Democrat than Republicans. But he was supposed to uh, be subpoenaed for a deposition that was supposed to take place this Monday. And remember, on Tuesday, he may be announcing that he's running for president. What a wild time. So what a coincidence. So Monday, he was supposed to be deposed. Remember, they filed it. Everybody thought he was going to fight it. No surprise. But now he has officially said he is fighting it. He is filing suit, saying it is an overreach um, and that it is completely improper for a former president to have to testify before the panel. So let's see what happens next. The legal battle continues with President Trump. And no surprise, because these Democrats are going to keep going after him. They know he is a threat. They want to do whatever they can to knock him out, especially the fact that he may run and announce that he's running again in just a few days. He was supposed to do that big announcement this coming Tuesday at Mar-a-Lago. And listen to what President Biden had to say. This is earlier the week when he was asked, you know, what do you think about President Trump? What do you think? Do you think it might be another matchup with you and President Trump? 
And uh, President Biden basically hinted uh, maybe an indictment's coming to President Trump. Uh, this is definitely a Democratic Party that is going after this guy. G7 conversation was tied to your predecessor, who is about to launch another campaign. So how do you reassure them if that is the reason for their questioning that the former president will not return, that his political movement, which is still very strong, uh, will not oh, yeah. once again take power in the United <laughs> States? Well, um, we just have to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by uh, if we uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he uh, under the legitimate efforts of uh, our Constitution does not become the next president again. And then President Biden was also asked earlier this week about DeSantis and Trump. Does he think like he might go against either one of them? And this is how he turned it. He made it sound like it'll be fun to watch the two of them duke it out. And after the results of the midterms, a lot of people, even in the Republican Party, are saying that, too. You saw Governor Ron DeSantis with a resounding victory in Florida uh, last night. Who do you think would be the tougher competitor, Ron DeSantis or former President Trump? And how is that factoring into your decision? It'll be fun watching them take on each other. It'll be fun to watch them take on each other. So what are your thoughts, guys? Now that President Trump is blocking the January 6th, it looks like the Democrats are going forward with as much as they can with January 6th. President Biden knows that if the Republicans take the House, they're going to have their own version of January 6th. And they will also, for sure, call in a guy named Hunter Biden to say, hey, maybe we're going to do an investigation to him. Why do you think President Biden, the last thing he wants is the House to be able to go into GOP hands because he they he knows his son's bank records are going to be called. Mayorkas will be called about the border. Fauci will be called. Boy, will that be fun to maybe finally get some answers on all of those. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Ken on line six. Ken, what are your thoughts about all of this stuff? And now Trump blocking the subpoena. Maybe we'll announce on Tuesday that he might be running. It's it's getting, boy, things are getting heated here. Uh, yeah, hi. Can you hear me okay? I yeah. hear you great, Ken. Go ahead. Okay, great. So, uh, well, first of all, thank you for taking my call. I just want to say, before I get to my main point, like, I real, you're my favorite host on the radio for, for one reason. You, even though you, I don't always agree with you, but you let other people have their say, and you do it in a very civil and respectful way. And can I just say we need more of that on the radio, more positivity and less nastiness. So I just wanted to say that, um, you know, you're really my favorite on of, of pretty much anyone on the radio today for that reason. Um, Thank okay, you, Ken. My, Thank you. By the, by the way, I love hearing from yeah. everybody because it's America. That's the only way, you know, I love hearing everybody's opinion. So thank you, Ken. Amen. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So now let me get to my main point, which maybe you'll disagree with. I think it's time to dump Trump. Hashtag dump Trump. Look, this guy has spent the last two years whining and complaining like a spoiled little baby. Oh, poor baby. I lost the election trying to overturn the results. And you know what? The American people are tired of it. We're tired of it. I wore the Trump hat for a long time. I supported him. It's enough already. People are tired of his childish. Now Now he's going to attack Ron DeSantis, and it's going to be disgusting. It's going to be horrible. And if he does, it's going to pull the Republican Party apart, and we're going to lose um, in 2024. So I just hope that doesn't happen. I hope he says, hey, you know what? 
Um, let him let him say, hey, Ron DeSantis is my protege. You know, he should embrace him. I picked him. He's my protege. And now I'm going to support him for for president in 2024. We need to we need to get rid of Trump. Let him have a retirement. Let him play golf, whatever. And let's embrace Ron DeSantis, who won by 20 points in Florida, which is unheard of. Um, he's an he's an amazing governor. And I think he would make um, a darn good president. Well, and listen, I think, by the way, I do think DeSantis is certainly presidential material. I think, I think with Trump, I think he could do obviously less of these sort of comments about uh, DeSantis. I understand why he's doing it now, Ken, because his strategy is to try to knock him out separate than obviously I hear what you're saying about the damage to the Republican Party, because anybody who goes up against Trump is going to come out, you know, like uh, like they got out of a bar brawl. You know what I mean? And the ones who lost because they're going to be black and blue and, you know, there's going to be so much mudslinging. But I think the reason he's trying to do it now clearly is he's trying to say, I'm planning on coming in and you better like, you know, clear out the field for me. And DeSantis, he even brought up, uh, I know some stuff on DeSantis that only his wife may know. I mean, it's like, whoa, he's not fooling around, you know. Um, so he's going to really play for keeps. And I think that that's his strategy in the middle. I, when I read the, by the way, when I read the midterm results, a lot of people read it as, oh, okay, you know, it's clearly, you know, um, you know, Trump was a failure. I think it's a mixed bag. I think that there's a lot of different disparate p- opinions that come out um, from the results because there's some Trump candidates that actually did well. And and just exactly as you said with DeSantis, DeSantis, you know, he has a lot of the same values as Trump, different personality for sure by far, um, but same sort of, you know, values and same sort of spirit as Trump. So you can't say, OK, well, MAGA. And, you know, the one thing, too, the Democrats clearly do not want Trump around. And that's almost every reason to keep him around, you know, because they clearly fear him, Ken. And you and if they start, if you replace the name with DeSantis, do you actually think that he's going to get an easier ride from the Democrats? Heck no. Go ahead, Ken. Um, no, he's not going to get an easier ride. They're going to attack everyone, no matter who we nominate. Um, I just feel like, I, I mean, I, I kind of do just disagree a little bit. I, I think Trump's candidates had a, an atrocious night. Um, it, it, it's terrible. They, they were talking about a red wave. You know, we'll be lucky. I mean, to take the house, it'll be it'll be a miracle. Um, well, and by the way, can point, I can I agree? It wasn't a good night. There's no there's no getting around that. You know, it clearly was not a good night for Republicans. But I think there's a lot of different reasons for it. I think some of the Trump candidates clearly did not do well. Some did do okay. Um, and I think there's there's other reasons too. I, I just think it's not as much of a blanket decision. Like people are like, oh, it's clearly all Trump's fault. I don't think that that's the easy answer if you look at it some of it depends on certain races it depends some of them who are trump supporters did very well and wouldn't have even made it if they didn't have the trump backing they they would have gotten slaughtered you know in the primary and wouldn't have and probably the person who went up against would have been doing much worse that's the only reason i say that there's there's no doubt in my mind on some of them so i think you can't sort of throw a blanket line that's where i'm coming from ken and i think I think we're, I think to be continued. I mean, it's interesting. I'm sure Trump maybe now wishes he didn't say I'm going to make an announcement on Tuesday. Remember, he did that before uh, the election because he thought there'd be some sort of a red wave and he wanted to kind of ride that red wave. And yet now, what does he do? 
I think he has to make an announcement on Tuesday. If he doesn't, he almost looks it looks silly if he doesn't, Ken. What do you think? Isn't he in a box a little bit? He, he, he has placed himself into a box because he was probably – he's all about the publicity. He thought, he, hey, I'm going to have a huge wet, red wave, which turned out to be a red trickle at that. Um, also, I'm wondering uh, – I don't know if you know this, but Mike Pence's uh, autobiography is set to be released on November 15th. And I'm just wondering if he specifically also chose that date to kind of, um, you know – sort of steal some of his own vice president's, uh, you know, thunder for his for his uh, upcoming autobiography. Yeah. And and it could be. And also it's a week from, you know, the midterm. So that sort of plays into it. There were also some excerpts from it where he was kind of critical of the president. Uh, Some of it actually came out just a few hours ago. The Wall Street Journal had a little bit of a preview on it. So I think So certainly sort of a combination of everything. But he had already sort of decided that. And I think it might have been a part of that. And I think Pence is going to throw his name in. I think we're going to see a lot of candidates. Ken, I think we're going to see Pence. We might see Pompeo. We might see Nikki Haley. Um, I think there's going to be potentially maybe a couple. There may be sort of the the, uh, anti-MAGA candidate. You might even see Liz Cheney or Adam Kinzinger or some of those, you know. I mean, I think it's going to be... It's going to be a wild time, and I think some of them may get in soon. DeSantis may wait, um, because DeSantis could wait, actually, until, like, you know, he's got his, his legislative session in Florida. A lot of people think if he comes into the race, he may not even come in until the spring. Um, so lots of stuff, Ken. Always love your call. Thank you very much. You're awesome, Ken. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go to John, line one. John, your thoughts. Yeah, I got just two quick comments that... I don't understand how come unemployment they say is down when we've got millions of immigrants or illegals coming into our country. And how can Arizona vote Democratic with an open border like that? Yeah, it, it it's amazing because you're right. They are right there on the front lines. And it is astounding uh, that you would think that border, 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 border security is pivotal. And in fact, Mark Kelly, uh, I remember seeing reports that he voted down a whole bunch of border agents. In other words, to add extra border agents, he voted it down, according to a number of reports. So you're right. You would think that that would be priority. Uh, and you would think, by the way, security would be priority everywhere. I mean, you know, obviously there's a lot of Democrats that are still in Arizona, and clearly the numbers are showing that, especially the big cities, you know, like Phoenix and some of the other areas. That's where clearly that's where most of the votes come from. It's almost like New York. You know, a lot of the Democrats are in New York City and it takes over most of the race, as we saw with Kathy Hochul. But you would think that border security would be number one. And we're going to also talk about that because there's some big developments on the border. We're going to talk about that in the next hour. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And everybody got to check out our new podcast called Protecting America, because this week I talked to Mark Lauder, who actually used to work with then Vice President Pence and also President Trump. He is now with America First Policy Institute. And I asked him what he thought of the midterm results and what he thinks is ahead. Take a listen. Here's a little preview. 
What's your reaction to the midterm elections? Were you surprised? Yeah, I, I was, obviously. I mean, I think the polls all indicated or were showing us something else, and it wasn't the best result. But I think we also have to keep this in perspective. Anytime you change the leadership of the House of Representatives and flip it to Republicans, it's only happened three times since 1954. That's a big deal. The gavel will be out of Nancy Pelosi's hands. The chair people will all be Republicans, America first, conservatives. So I think you know that right there puts an absolute halt to Joe Biden's agenda against American energy, spending billions and trillions of dollars that put us into a recession and inflation. And so that right there is a good thing to take note of. And that's if the Republicans can get the House. They got to get the House to be able to do anything like that, to block funds, to institute some of these investigations. And by the way, in the next hour, we're going to talk about a big development uh, because the head of Customs and Border Protection now has gotten the boot and everyone's wondering why. Uh, what, he didn't let enough illegal immigrants into the country? <laughs> I'm being facetious, but who knows why? This guy was like soft on soft border protection. He was the dream guy for President Biden. What, he wasn't open enough? Are you kidding me? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to uh, Chris, uh, line one. Chris, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. Um, listen, I'm a former person who voted for Trump couple times, but I am totally, me and a bunch of my friends who all voted for Trump are all with DeSantis now. And the plain matter of the fact is, I got to say this about Trump, Rita, he talks about winning, winning, this and that. He hasn't won anything since 2016. We're going on six solid years. Now, he was a great president. I'll give him that. But as far as campaigning, He's a toxin, and I'm, I live in Long Island here. Thank God we turned red. And you want, you want to know the main reason we're all red here? Not one of these candidates had Trump come anywhere near them. I'm telling you, he's, he's lost whatever he's had. Well, Lee Zeldin, Chris, Lee Zeldin, even though he didn't promote it, certainly while he was in New York, everybody knew that he was close to Trump. Um, so... You know, and, and obviously, Hochul tried to use that. And the I guess the reason I'm wondering: Do you believe he's toxic in and of himself, or do you think it's because the Democrats tell you he's toxic? No, I don't read it. Please, I, I can make up my own mind. I'm a big boy. I don't have to listen to Democrats telling me the guy's toxic. Um, by the way, I listen to Cats at Night every night for this past week. Yeah, Al Demont. I can go a list of about ten people who are exactly say the same thing I am. No, and by the way, there are a lot of people and, and and even look, you look at I'm just I'm just trying to figure out if you believe also that the minute like say a DeSantis comes in, you know, that they're gonna go after him tooth and nail too. So whoever it is, oh, the no. I just I just feel like Chris, whoever it is that gets in the fight, whether it's Trump or DeSantis or whoever it is, they better get ready because it is going to be a mudslinging fight and it needs to be somebody with the fortitude of a Trump or a DeSantis or something like it can't be a Mamsy Pamsy candidate. Don't you agree with that? No, no. of course. That's what I'm trying to say. DeSantis dispelled any anything of that. He can't take it. That guy is the governor of the third largest state in the union. Uh, DeSantis has more people coming into his state. And California and New York have people leaving in growth. He has that going for him. One thousand percent. And listen, he took on Disney. He's taken on the, you know, education unions. I'm impressed with DeSantis. I'm impressed.
Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Uno. He's your numero uno. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And as we continue here on the Rita Cosby Show, again, another big night. It looks like for the Democrats with some numbers just coming in in the last few minutes showing that Arizona Senator Mark Kelly, the Democrat, has defeated Blake Masters. This is for that coveted Arizona Senate seat, and that makes it 49 Democrats, 49 Republicans. And that means Republicans got to win Nevada, still waiting for numbers to come in there. And also they got to win Georgia, too to be able to get control of the Senate. Still, the House is up for grabs again, 203 Democrats, 211 House for the Republicans. The golden number is 218 to control the House. And, of course, Republicans fighting for every seat they can get at this point. Uh, so right now, both houses still up for grabs. And now the Republicans have a little bit tougher road to get the control of the Senate because it's 49-49. And remember, again, Kamala Harris does that tie-breaking vote. And we are talking about President Trump because today he was coming out blasting CNN, by the way, saying that CNN should go conservative, basically call themselves the conservative news network and put him on all the time. Uh, he also talked about how Twitter and Facebook lost so much money after they banned him. And he went on a rant basically going after the New York Post, which had that horrible headline about him, calling him Trumpy Dumpty. And he still looks like he is going to announce that he is running as early as Tuesday. That's when the big announcement is. And in the middle of all this, President Biden feels like he got a referendum after the midterm elections. He continues to say that he's not changing a thing. And in fact, when he was leaving the White House yesterday, because right now he's overseas, he was asked, you know, hey, what do you think about the House? Do you think that it looks like the Republicans are going to control the House? And he said, no, 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 Democrats, we are still alive. In other words, he's still hoping because he knows, again, the floodgates will open against him with investigations of his family if the Republicans get the House. And when he was asked in the press conference, remember earlier this week, are you going to change your policies? Are you going to like maybe become a little more moderate? Are you going to like maybe look at closing the border? Are you going to hire more cops? Are you going to do some of these things? Oh, no, I'm doing a great job. More of the same. He's taking it as a big referendum. Take a listen. Remember this earlier this week? You mentioned that uh, Americans are frustrated. and In fact, 75 percent of voters say the country is heading into the wrong direction, despite the results of last night. What in the next two years do you intend to do differently uh, to change people's uh, opinion of the direction of the country, particularly as you contemplate a run for president in 2024? Nothing, because they're just finding out what we're doing. The more they know about what we're doing, the more support there is. Do you know anybody who wants us to get rid of the change we made on prescription drug prices and raise prices again? 
Do you know anybody who wants us to walk away from building those roads and bridges and, and the Internet and so on? And case in point, what does he do? He wins the midterms. There's been a lot of questions today because it's Veterans Day, as you guys all know. I think every day should be Veterans Day. He didn't do any Veterans Day celebrations. Instead, he left some of them to Kamala Harris. And he is over in Egypt at a climate conference, at a climate conference. To me, that is unbelievable. And he's looking at spending tons of money right now. He feels like the wind is at his back and he can just keep pushing at a time right now where the economy is not great in America. And he's looking at spending a whole bunch of money over there. Take a listen. This is Greg Gutfeld on The Five talking about what he thinks of Biden over talking about climate. No one opposes the environment. What we do oppose is this. This is phony. These people love these trips. It's free meals. It's free beds and breakfasts and hookers and and God knows what else, Judge. I know it's disgusting. It disgusts me. It would be nice if Joe just showed a fraction of concern for the stuff that we care about rather than like, you know, a ferry in Scotland. But he goes where the virtue signals get the most payoff. And that's with the environment. That is with gender among his uh, among the activist clique. You can't be the bad guy if you go there. So it's very easy. You can smile because you just pledge American taxpayer money. This is a great issue for somebody like Joe Biden because it's a no brainer. And he is spending tons of money, hundreds of millions of dollars is what he's pledging to fight climate change. When China doesn't care, India doesn't care. Are you kidding me? We're spending all of our U.S. money at a time where people are worried about still how they're going to pay for Thanksgiving, how they're going to pay for Christmas. And yet we're giving money to a lot of these countries thinking they're going to worry about climate change. They don't care. They don't care. And Judge Jeanine Pirro cares. She is livid at the fact that this is one of his first priorities after the midterms. You know, I think that Joe Biden goes wherever he thinks that he will be well received. And so within 48 hours of an election where 75 percent of the American people think the country is going in the wrong direction, where the, the House is not settled yet. The Senate is not settled yet. The guy runs to Egypt. I mean, I get Sharm el-Sheikh. I mean, it's a beautiful place in Egypt. I mean, El Sisi. I mean, it's it's fabulous over there. I love Egypt, okay? But the issue of going over there and saying, we're going to give another $100 million to developing nations, another $150 million financial support for other African nations, $11 billion to fight climate change in nations that emit fewer greenhouse gases, when he already promised $370 billion in his Inflation Reduction Act, which doesn't reduce inflation, is to me an outrage in a country where we are suffering double-digit inflation and the economy is terrible. I agree. Why is he spending so much money over there when we need the money over here? And that's his priority? Boy, he didn't learn anything from the midterms. And look at even like a lot of the races were tight. And it was over crime, it was over border, it was over excessive spending. But he took it as a win. It doesn't matter. We're just going to continue the same old policies. And boy, is that trouble, not just for America, but major cities across this country. And case in point, you look at Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's not changing her policy. In fact, there's more members of the squad now. There's now 10 members of the squad. More of these loony kazoonies got voted in. So if you think that they're not going to go far, far left. Guess what? 
they're going to like loop your head around like Sybil. I mean, there's going to be so many of them now. And she is continuing her message that we really don't need the police. Take a listen to what she had to say earlier this week. Subway crime is up. But let's also note that subway crime is up after they committed so many more officers to the subway system. So that also tells us from a policy perspective, adding more cops to the subway isn't solving this problem. Mm -hmm. So there are other things that can solve this problem. Yeah. So let's just get rid of the police because they're not really doing anything, right? I mean, these people are just nuts and they feel like they're now even more emboldened after the midterms. And that's a really sad effect when we see the fact that they didn't get a message that America is divided and they can just kind of ignore the other half of America, that really puts, I think, all of us, not just in jeopardy, but in danger big time. And the fact that they really feel right now that they don't even really have to listen to the other half because it worked when they were running and they're just going to keep on going. And that's what the next two years uh, looks like, unless you have some checks and balances. But if you ask Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she's not the loony kazuni. It's the Republicans, not her. Take a listen. People want both parties to move from the fringes, from the extremes, back to the center. I think a lot of people in this country may say yes, but it's important for us to dig into the substance of what that actually means. Um, as someone who is often, uh, I think, characterized as extreme, I, of course, would object to that. I do not believe that I am as extreme uh, in the way that Marjorie Taylor Greene on the Republican side is extreme. The idea that there is an equating of believing in someone who believes in guaranteed universal health care in the United States with someone who believes that undocumented people should incur physical harm uh, are somehow in the same level of extreme is something that I would object to. So the only extremes are on the Republican side, and that is clearly going to be the message for the next two years. And that's why I keep saying whoever goes up against the Democrats, whoever's going to go up, especially from the presidential level, has got to have their boxing gloves on because it's going to be a bout royale. There is no question about it. And in the middle of all this, now some big news that just came in the last few hours that the head of Customs and Border Protection, Chris Magnus, has been forced to resign, that apparently Mayorkas was asking him to resign. And my first thought was, oh, maybe they're having an epiphany. They want to get the border closed, and maybe this guy was fighting against them. No, 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 that's not the case. Apparently, he wasn't going far enough, and he was having some internal disputes with, you know, it was like a policy issue. has nothing to do. We we think the open border is fine, right? That's not the problem. There's some issue with personalities. Not the 5.5 million that have come under President Biden. And this is what the former ICE director had to say when he heard this news. He was disgusted. This is Ron Vitello a little hour, a little bit ago commenting. He serves at the pleasure of the president. A cabinet secretary has asked him to step down for whatever reason, whatever the justification. He serves at the pleasure of the president. Sure, sure. We're not talking about the border here. We're not talking about the men and women of CBP who took an oath and are dedicated to securing the border. We're now being distracted by rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. We have a terrible crisis going on at the border, and we're talking about who the the, the leader at CBP is going to be. The, the workforce deserves better than this. Yeah, the workforce does deserve better. And unfortunately, under Mayorkas, I don't think they're going to get better. I think it's sadly going to get worse. 
And I think our streets are going to get worse. I think our borders going to get worse. And he clearly, this president is going to be spending money on climate change. And it doesn't seem to be anything related to the border or crime. And that breaks my heart. But that looks like the reality and the message that he is taking away in the Democratic Party from the midterms. And that's why it is so important. There's checks and balances uh, with whether it's a Republican House or a Republican House and Senate. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Stephen, line five. Stephen, your thoughts about all this. Yeah, Rita, I just want to I want to make myself real clear. I hate you for vote for people who vote for, to allow this disease garbage into my country. What are you I wait, wait, what are you talking about, Stephen? What are you talking about? These people vote these people voting for these left wing loonies who allow this disease garbage into the country, which I'm paying for. Meanwhile, oh, wait, wait, wait. Hang on one second, Steve. Who are you talking about? Who's the disease garbage? These disease garbage invading this country. You're talking. Are you talking about the the migrants that are coming through? Is that what you're referring to? They're not migrants. They're invaders. They're invading my country. All right. Wait. Hey. Well, two things, Stephen. First off, I actually I don't blame the people coming into this country. Um, you know, I I actually take exception a bit, obviously, with the language there. Needless to say, um, I don't like the fact that they many of them are coming in clearly unvetted. Uh, many of them uh, have criminal records. There are issues like that. However. I don't blame them for coming into our country. I mean, I think America is the greatest country in the world. And if I saw a big neon sign and I could come to America and I was, uh, you know, in Venezuela or Mexico or whatever, I don't blame them. It's a great country and, and I don't blame them for coming. What I do blame is our policies that we have allowed this to happen and our priorities by this administration. Um, don't you think, I mean, that the administration is to blame versus the individuals? Go ahead. It is people voted for this. They voted for this crap. Well, they they, they voted, did. They they, for this you know what? You, you hit it on the head that, listen, people saw, we've seen those images of people crossing the border left and right. They have, they're voting and they voted them in. And border was an issue on the ballot. In fact, I mean, we just talked about Arizona. The fact that Mark Kelly, a Democrat who's much more soft on the border than, you know, Blake Masters was, and that is a border state in the last hour or so has just won the Senate seat there. So, uh, people are voting for them. And I, I don't, I don't agree with your language and I don't agree with your comments about the migrants. Uh, but I do agree that the Biden administration has left this border wide open and it is utterly dangerous. And I think it is outrageous that he has done so. And I don't think sadly it's going to get any better. And that is my big, big fear. Uh, but, Steve, thank you very much. We're going to continue with everybody's calls. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. This sounds like what they were getting at Randall's Island, the 10 city. By the way, uh, the new news, as we were talking about the border and the customs and border protection development, that that chief is being forced out probably because he wasn't letting enough people in the open border because this guy was so soft 
on border protection. And he was the guy who was appointed. And now the Biden administration pushing him out. What, he wasn't soft enough? Uh, by the way, Mayor Eric Adams also shutting down the Randall's Island tent city where they were getting toothbrush and all those things you just heard in the song. Uh, and they were getting Xboxes and everything else. Now they're being moved to a hotel in New York. I was looking at this, by the way, before the show. The hotel, the Watson Hotel on West 57th Street costs about $450 a night. And they have like a really nice, cozy, like nice pool. They have a gym. Uh, they have like the little seats and they were showing like the little uh, martinis and the drinks you can get served by the pool. These are the illegal migrants that came into this country that came to New York and you wonder why they're coming across the border. It's like, hey, which nice New York, you know, three, four star hotel you want to stay in? Courtesy of the New York taxpayers. And now also Mayor Eric Adams is asking for funds from New York State and from the feds to see if they can help foot the bill. He is asking the governor to help pay the one billion dollar migrant bill that it's costing. You know, closing down Randall's Island. Remember, they were first at Orchard Beach, $300,000 there. Cost another 300000 then to move them to Randall's Island. Now they're closing that tent city. There are a lot of people who complained and said it wasn't good enough. Now they're putting them up because it's a lot of single adult males. Surprise, surprise. It's not really families that are coming. And then they're putting them in this cozy hotel. With a beautiful place they can get suntan and work out and there's a bar there. Wow. Is that where we should be spending our money, guys? I got a real problem with that. When average American families, and as it is Veterans Day, there are a lot of homeless veterans out there that could use that money. You think about how many homeless veterans and other people could be using that funds and we're spending 450 or whatever the deal is that they're getting. Maybe they get a deal for 350 a night. Is that where we should be spending our money? They get room service, everything else? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norm. Uh, line three. Um, Norm, first off, what are your thoughts about this, this whole thing that now they're moving them to a cushy hotel? Um, and this policy doesn't look like it's changing now. It doesn't look like it's gonna, it's gonna stop. They're just gonna try to get more money from us, the taxpayers, to cover it, but they're not closing the border by any step, any shape or form. Well, you know, maybe I'll move in because I, I need cable. I don't have cable, so, you know, maybe uh, yeah, maybe I'll go down to, was it the Watson Hotel? Yep, the Watson Hotel is, is going to become <laughs> the uh, freebie hotel, right? Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, another ridiculous policy. Hey, Rita, if you'll indulge me, can I give the following Veterans Day shout-outs to some veterans that I know? Yeah, sure. Make it brief, but go ahead, Norm. Okay. I may have to go over that. Okay. It's only about seven. Thank you, Melissa Skalkin, Corporal, United States Marine Corps, currently deployed at the Okinawa Air Base. Thank you, Billy Cook, Private, United States Army, Korean War. Thank you, Frank Ochiogrosso, United States Marine Corps, Korean War. Thank you, William Saloni, Radio Man, Third Class, United States Navy, Vietnam War. Thank you, Anthony Giuliani, Corporal, United States Marine Corps, 1982 to 1985. And finally, thank you to my late parents, Private First Class, Paula Mir San Ross, 
Women's Army Corps, World War II, and my father, Sergeant Jack Ross, United States Army, World War II. To all veterans for your service now and in our past, thank you for keeping us free. Norm, I love you. Thank you. And I love your patriotic heart and your great, great family. And you were raised well by your wonderful, amazing parents. Thank you for your service and your family's service, Norm. How great. And coming up, everybody, we're going to talk to Vietnam veteran Frank Romeo, his incredible story. It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And on this Veterans Day, we are joined by a decorated Vietnam veteran who is helping so many vets and others overcome PTSD because he lived it firsthand. And he's the focus of a powerful new film called Walk with Frank, airing on PBS. Frank Romeo, so great to have you here. Thank you, Rita. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. What is it like to see your life in film now? It's all over the place. I think what it's like 1800 airings. It's all over the country to see your journey. Um, and it's very raw. It's very real. What is it like to see it on the big film? It's kind of surreal. You know, I've been working at this besides suffering with, I'm one of the longest living veterans diagnosed at a hundred percent PTSD related. And, and so that's 50 years. I've been teaching it for 30 years. Uh, traveling the country, and and in the last um, six years, I've had the Walk with Frank project, and it's surreal to know that people are responding and embracing the message of of healing and hope. Um, we 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 don't claim, I don't claim to to cure people. I just share my story, and in doing so, we've created in in so many events after the film is aired. Uh, we just start sharing. People just start sharing the story. So we kind of create this safe place for people to share and maybe even take that first step towards towards uh, recovery and healing. And it's surreal to see finally to get that recognition that I've, I've worked for so hard for for so many years. Well, your journey truly is inspiring people across the country, across the world, First, take us back um, to what you experienced, as so many of our veterans have. You were in Vietnam, um, ambushed, critically wounded. Talk about what you went through just on the front lines fighting for us, fighting for our freedom. Yes, it, it was. Uh, that was a real surreal experience. And uh, knowing that, you know, I was ambushed. I was alone. I was holding down a forward position by myself for uh, a series of circumstances that I was there alone and got ambushed and and uh, basically held off this this unit myself and being critically wounded but uh, coming home the trauma of coming home back then we weren't really welcomed home in fact when you see the film you'll you'll see that we were spit on we were we were ostracized by society and basically I was ashamed to, to be a veteran you know, I didn't tell people I was a veteran. I got rid of my uniform. And so that was the political and social climate at the time. And so the struggles that I had really began immediately. And it lasted, you know, I, I still deal with it today. And uh, veterans today, I mean, the withdrawal from Afghanistan, the veterans are questioning their service like I did back then. So the, the parallels mirror each other in in the feelings of, you know, 
what, what did we do this for? So it, it was a difficult time in my life. Um, you know, uh, I abused my children. I had mental issues. Uh, I went, I got divorced. Uh, I lost my, my home, went into foreclosure. So I struggled for years and years, uh, self-medicating, drugs and alcohol. I even did some time in prison. And so uh, the struggles that I had, a lot of people can relate to them. I mean, not, you know, going to prison or maybe you're not a substance abuser, abuser but um, the, the feelings of, yeah, the struggle is there. And so how do I do it and how do I get past it? And uh, it took me 30 years to get past it and to be able to even talk about it. Yeah, and thank goodness you are sharing it because expressing it is inspiring other people. I, I mentioned to you my father was a prisoner of war. He absolutely had some post-traumatic stress himself and had to deal with that. And so many people, after you go through what you went through on the front lines, and then to suddenly come back, and also as you talk about uh, just, I think, the disgrace of the way that the American public treated Vietnam veterans, which I say never can happen again, ever, ever. It was just horrible. And there needs to be so much attention to Vietnam veterans. Everybody, we're talking to Frank Romeo, of course, the focus of Walk with Frank. Uh, it's a brand-new film called Walk with Frank, film.com to get more details on it. Uh, it is extraordinary. Frank, you changed, though, and this is what's so amazing, and I think helping so many veterans and others get through it. As you mentioned, you were one of the first veterans to be officially diagnosed with post-traumatic stress. And then you found art, right? That's how you broke through this. Explain how you broke through what, sadly, so many veterans and other people are dealing with. Correct. I was I was diagnosed for 30 years as being depressed by the VA, and, and I was medicated for 30 years. And um, finally, when, you know, PTSD, and, and the film mirrors that. The, the film is the emotional history of our country over 60 years. We take PTSD for granted today, but it wasn't always PTSD. It was depression. It was shell shock. It was battle fatigue. It was even Vietnam War syndrome. And then finally, when PTSD was recognized by the American Psychiatric Association, it was only in the, in the 90s that this happened, um, something clicked in me, and I, and I began to kind of relive things, kind of um, go through this metamorphosis and and uh, I picked up art. I picked up a paintbrush and began creating these paintings, and I didn't know even where they were coming from. I would paint 24-7. I would just go for months painting, and every painting had a story. So I was, I was kind of, it was kind of my journal. I was getting my journal, my diary out, only through art. And uh, I didn't show my art to anyone because it, it was, it was per- too personal. You don't share your diary. And uh, finally, it was discovered and and uh, took on a life of its own. And I began to travel with the artwork. Um, I was in uh, accepted. My, my my artwork is one of the earliest paintings in what we know now is the National Veterans Art Museum in Chicago. And um, I I uh, I represent them. I I have permission to to reproduce any of the artwork there that goes in in my work and and things that I could use. So I use this artwork as my diary and my story and it opens up an avenue i mean you don't students don't even need me to speak they could just go through my exhibit and and just stand in front of a horrific painting and feel the emotions and and the trauma that this 
individual was going through. Um, and so I used art as, as a release of, of my emotions and, and my feelings. And, and uh, I still do it today. I'm, I'm headed out to a, an event this evening and one on Saturday. And so uh, this week of Veterans Week is, is very busy for me. Yeah, needless to say. And by the way, also on your 70th birthday, you decided to walk across New York <laughs> State. Talk about why this was such an important and personal mission to you. Well, you know, my 70th birthday is coming, and uh, I have a large family. I have seven children, and they're all deciding they want to go on a cruise for my 70th birthday, and what do you want to go on a tour of baseball parks? And finally I said, this is what I'm going to do for my 70th. I'm going to walk across New York State, and um, I declared myself homeless, and I registered with the Homeless Coalition, and I lived in homeless shelters. And I walked from Buffalo down to Long Island about 750 miles and um, I documented the story firsthand on the ground in the shelters uh, with our homeless, with our homeless veteran, uh, in the soup lines, the soup kitchens with the, with, with the homeless and with our veterans. And we, through their interviews and their stories and my own personal experiences, we share the story of, of post-trauma in this country. And so um, it was hard. It was also um, students were following me a lot of I do a lot of uh, education work and students were following me kind of as a lesson plan. So I really had to finish the walk by June. I wanted to before the semester was over. So I had to start in February in Buffalo. <laughs> and, uh, it, it, that, it, that'll it, give that'll give anybody post-traumatic stress. Just deal it. That's absolutely. that's a lot of snow. <laughs> absolutely. And uh well, we worked through it, and um, I, I had a camera crew, a very dedicated team from Mayor's Films that followed me everywhere, into the shelters. Uh, we walked in sub-zero weather. You know, I was bundled up, but they, their poor fingers were holding the button on the camera, you know, turning blue. Um, and we documented uh, three and a half months, five cameras going, three and a half months of footage that we had to unravel uh, to make a one-hour film. Well, the film is spectacular. What's your message to veterans on this Veterans Day? I believe and I teach embracing your trauma. We're all we're all survivors. And uh, I believe in this country we have a victim mentality. You know, what uh, what did he do to me or she do to me or with the Republicans and the Democrats? So we have that victim mentality. When, in fact, we're all survivors, just being here, you're a survivor, whether it be, you know, the death of a loved one or a car crash, a hurricane, the pandemic. We all have horrific stories, and we need to focus on being a survivor. And so my message to veteran is to embrace that survivor mentality. You know, you, you have something to offer. Just by your horrific experience, just by sharing it, you're a survivor, and you're helping someone else to help them share it. So I, I embrace the concept of, of being a survivor and sharing. And my message to veterans is, uh, you know, get out there and, and, and be a survivor and show the way and lead the way for those that are struggling. 
Well, your story is extraordinary. It is so great to have you here on Veterans Day. Frank Romeo, a true survivor, a decorated Vietnam veteran who is sharing his journey with PTSD in a big, big way and inspiring so many people, veterans and others alike who are dealing with this. And again, to get more details, go to walkwithfrankfilm.com, everybody. Check out this extraordinary film and you will be as inspired as I am. And it is such an honor to have you here, Frank Romeo. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And then watch us on PBS. Um, We're national, so it's showing somewhere in America in all 50 states. Well, it needs to be seen by everybody. Thanks so much for being here, Frank. Thank you, Rita. Have a good day. Great to have you with us, Frank. And boy, how powerful on Veterans Day to hear from him and hear about what Veterans Day really is all about. Uh, let's go to Perry, line two. Perry, your thoughts about this? Veterans Day is, uh, I just read like, you know, three books from Vietnam, helicopter pilots, and how tough they were. Tough, tough, tough. Man, oh man. Never, yeah, I was in the Marine Corps, but not that, not Vietnam era. Yeah, they gotta have guts of steel. I, I'm, oh my yeah, gosh. It, you know, it's almost like a generational thing because I'm 66, right? So I was just on the cusp of, uh, but I would never be. I couldn't even get myself out of Newburgh in the bus station, let alone go to Vietnam. It's like, holy smokes. And these guys are flying helicopters? It's amazing. Yeah. You can read the books. It's all there. And, and Well, and, and by, by the way, Perry, I do want to say thank you for your service, too. Cause I didn't do anything. Yeah. I was in uh, Hollywood, uh, Marine Corps. I was over in California, but I wanted to mention uh, Paul Manafort for the the political thing. It's like everybody should take the time and read what he went through, and he was a Trump campaigner, and what they did to that guy, because he was not uh, a little guy that didn't have no money. He was like he was like $10 million worth of assets, and they went after all his money and Stone and Papadopoulos and Flynn, all these guys were attacked. I want to remind people that this is what our government did to these. This is what they did to these people just because they were on the opposite side. That ain't right. That ain't right. Well, and you know what's interesting, Perry? I want to also play to your point. These people are absolutely playing for keeps. Like, look at what they did to Manafort. Uh, you think about Mike Flynn. You think about all these people. Look at even the January 6th. I mean, those hearings were like, you know, if anybody was even near the Capitol on January 6th, they had almost a visit from the FBI or somebody. And yet, this is why Biden doesn't want, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why he doesn't want, but he definitely doesn't want the House to go into GOP hands because they've already signaled on the GOP side that turnabout is fair play and that Hunter Biden, which is a fact, really hasn't been investigated. All the money that he got, the tens of millions of dollars. So he was asked about it. And Biden just kind of laughed it off. Uh, listen to this one, Perry. Republicans have made it clear that if they do take control of the House, that they want to launch a raft of investigations on day one into your handling of Afghanistan, the border. Uh, they want to look into some of your cabinet officials. They want to investigate you. They may even want to investigate your son. What's your message to Republicans who are considering investigating your family and particularly your son Hunter's business dealings? Lots of luck in your senior year, as my coach used to say. Look, um, I think the American public wants to move on and get things done for them. 
And, uh, you know, I heard that there were uh, it was reported, whether it's accurate or not, I'm not sure, but it was reported many times that Republicans were saying and the former president said, how many times are you going to impeach Biden? You know, impeachment proceeding against Biden. I mean, I think the re- I think the American people will look at all of that for what it is. It's just I'm uh, almost comedy. I mean, it's uh, but, you know, look, I can't control what they're going to do. All I can do is continue to try to make life better for the American people. You know, Perry, that is so rich. It is so hypocritical. Oh, the longest speech I ever listened to uh, that guy talk. Whenever you hear his voice, I turn the radio off, turn the volume right off. And, and that's most of the time when I hear uh, that da 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 Oh, and you hear the news thing come on, President Biden. I turn that right off. Don't listen to it. It's all garbage. It's all propaganda. What would uh, you remember the guy that said uh, you are all disease? What was that uh, comedian uh, back in 2000? He's dead now. I'm not sure who you're talking about, but I will say uh, that it is definitely propaganda by the president. He doesn't he doesn't want an investigation on that side of the aisle. You know, it's like, oh, if you talk about Hunter. Oh, no, no, no. Can't talk about Hunter. That's funny. That's a comedy. Tens of millions of dollars. Even John Stewart said it needs to be looked into about Hunter, you know. Uh, but God forbid you know, if you mention the name Trump, you're going to be investigated. I mean, as you bring up Manafort and all these others, it it is just the hypocrisy by this administration is unbelievable. And that's why, boy, it'd be nice to see some answers. I actually would love to see somebody look into the origins of the uh, coronavirus. You know, that'd be nice. That got a free pass. Hunter got a free pass. There's a lot of things that just for where wherever it leads, let's at least have the facts. If If it clears them, that's great. That helps him, too. But at least get the facts out there. Don't be afraid of the facts. But no, the Democrats have only their version and nobody else. We're going to continue with your calls after the break, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. And again, everybody out there, veterans, thank you for your service. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Rita Cosby Show. We play the best music here, the monkeys here on, and it feels like monkey business when we're dealing with President Biden. What are your thoughts? One eight hundred. Eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Tony. Line two. Your thoughts about it all? Hey, Rita. Just to make it quick, this whole ride has been like a Woody Allen movie called Sleeper, where this nerdy store clerk gets frozen and he comes back in time to fight big government, and he just has this crazy experience, you know, trying to fight the big government that's coming after him. And this is how we've been feeling for like weeks. And he says at the end of the movie, I don't believe in politics. I don't believe in science. He says, the only thing I believe in is, he goes, 
sex and death. It was kind of a satire. But this is where we're coming to. This this political right is taking us all over the place, fighting big government. Yes. Yeah, and and that's why I actually think having a balance of power in Washington is really important. Because that way there's checks and balances, you know, and there are so many questions with all this stuff with the handling of DOJ and the FBI. And again, latest numbers, everybody, 4949, because Mark Kelly, according to a number of networks, has succeeded in beating um, Blake Masters in Arizona. So it looks like it's getting tougher and tougher. The Democrats are one seat away, basically, from controlling the Senate. House, again, still up for grabs. Senate's still up for grabs because they could still pull it out. Uh, but, boy, it's important to have somebody else who's keeping track on it. Otherwise, you know, it is like sort of a like an alternate universe, like a Woody Allen movie. Uh, that's a great analogy, Tony. Thanks so much. Let's go to Deirdre. Line six. Deirdre, your thoughts about it all. Hello there. I think the best ticket would be. Um, DeSantis president and Vice President Trump. Oh, do you think? Do you think Vice President? Do you think? First of all, do you think Trump would ever settle for Vice President? I don't think. By the way, either one of them would settle. Settle. I think DeSantis I would only settle for president. And I think President Trump would only settle for president. No, I disagree. I think it's like a, just a, a play on it all. And if Trump, because it, it, it's all done with politics. So if DeSantis gets in and he wins and Trump runs under him vice president, DeSantis can go for the for the term. And after he serves his term, then President Trump could then run and then do another eight years. Oh, I see. I see. So you want to you want to Trump in there in some shape or form. That's interesting. That's interesting. Again, I still think that they both want the number one. I don't see either one of them. Wanting to be in a number two, but it's provocative. It's an interesting thought. Let's go to Jennifer in Boston, line seven. Jen, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. Um, I appreciate you so much. I've told you that before, but I love your heart for the country. It means a lot. Thank you. And um, yours, too. Thank you. By the way, I, we have the best listeners on this show. You know how much I love America. And, and Jen, by the way, I, I, I feel remiss uh, uh, to not mention all of you guys know my father was rescued by American troops. So I love the American military. I love the veterans. We are so grateful to all of you, each and every one of you, and also your family. There's not a day. My father's no longer with us. But while my dad was alive, there was not a single day that when he saw a veteran, an American veteran. And by the way, it's also Polish Independence Day. Um, not to forget, because you know how much I love my Polish background, um, but how much my father loved the U.S. military. Jen, sorry, go ahead real quick. No, that's okay. I just wanted to thank every one of the veterans, um, all those who gave all on our behalf, all those who are hurting, um, whether mentally or physically. And I just want them all to know that we are a grateful nation and we owe everything to them. One thousand percent. Jen, thank you. We love you and veterans and your families. We love you. We are grateful. And God bless America. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. 
Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.